Welcome to the Beer Shits Podcast. Come and talk about beer, yeah. We are women. We love beer. We're talking about beer, yeah. We don't make any sense. <laughs> this is your host, Melissa Saban. And your other host, Amy Bostic. <laughs> We're doing a fantastic crossover of heavy metal music and beer in today's episode. Metal takeover. Um, we're not exactly experts in this uh, genre of music, but... Not exactly. I do dabble in a little bit of metal. I would say metal heads probably wouldn't agree with that, but... (laughs) But that's what this podcast is about, right? right? We're learning and we're drinking at the same time. Correct. Broadening our horizons. I think what we've realized is that there is this, like, huge community of metalheads who love beer. Apparently. And we are super intrigued by it. We've we've neglected this class of people for who knows how long. So we've invited one of my good friends, Will Cook, who is the director of heavy metal operations at Atlas. Who knew that was a job title? (laughs) So fucking cool. Uh, To chat with us today. The other day when we were talking about doing this podcast, you told me a really good story. About I wouldn't say it's really good, but it's literally my only metal story mm-hmm. of okay. my life. All right. Uh, let's, let's share. Very short. Uh, gosh. Had to be a year, year and a half ago. Back when we traveled from work. I know right. we all yeah. forget what that's a like. A thousand years ago. Five million years When travel is still a thing. Yeah. Uh, we were coming home, uh, me and a group of colleagues, and we're just all exhausted, right? Like five days of having to give presentations and probably drinking a little too much and just ready to be home. And I remember this guy just started chatting it up with us. I think he could probably see the desperation in our eyes of just getting home and how, how tired we were. And he shared with us that he was, I don't remember the city we were coming from, but that he was flying to Kansas City back to my home. Uh, to do a metal show and we were all just you could tell we were all just kind of like we don't know what metal is you know? uh, tell so, us more lucky enough um, I actually got to sit by him on the plane where he uh, metal educated me and uh, taught hey, me quite a bit um, educated. I'm not gonna I'll let our fact checker handle this but he shared with me that uh, metal music is very close to classical music mm-hmm. He shared with me some good uh, sort of like intro to metal music uh, videos to watch for people like myself who maybe have not been exposed to it. So like an easy transition in. He was actually playing that night, I believe, at the Midland Theater in in Kansas City, I believe. Um, I already had a, a prior commitment that night, so I couldn't go. So the answer was no, dude. She wasn't interested. But... <laughs> I learned a lot, is my point. Um, now, to be fair, uh, is it my genre, music genre of choice? No. But I, I was happy that I opened my mind to it and listened to some, and I learned a crap ton more today. But your story is way more interesting than mine. Well, and so my story is not just about metal music, right? So it's about mm-hmm. Will, specifically. So the story about how Will and I know each other. I... I do have a good story about how Will and I, so our um, guests today, and I know each other. And I I do tell it quite often just because I feel like I'm never going to have this experience again. Um, And I still have no idea how I got into the situation in the first place. So how all the best stories. (laughs) (laughs) 
Okay, so I was uh, living and working in Washington, D.C., and my boss at the time, super fucking cool guy, Doug Brooks, um, he used to have this Friday night get-together called Beer and Darts in, in the actual conference room where we worked. And we would throw darts. We had a dartboard in the conference room, and we would drink beer, which is that it was, like, predominantly the way that I got to know craft beer. So D.C. had a wide variety of beers because, you know, the – I think various distribution laws and just availability in the market. Um, and so a lot of the people that went to beer and darts also liked beer. So I just was kind of in this like Mecca of craft beer in DC. Um, and yeah, so previous interns, previous employees of, of the, the place that I worked would come on at, to beer and darts. And then some of Doug's friends, uh, Will Cook who has just a very storied background, um, which we'll let him tell. Yeah, so we immediately hit it off because he was just big beer fan, um, had been homebrewing for a while, just very cool guy, had been con- trying to convince me to get into stouts. At that time, I was really exclusively drinking IPAs. I haven't really, you know, strayed far from that. But a man after my own heart. Yeah, he was like the first guy that was like, or first person that was like, okay, we can get you a stout that you like. And that was old Rasputin. And I, he just kept saying like, just go try it out, like blah, blah, blah. And I just wouldn't do it. So anyway, he was at Beer and Darts one night. And he was like, I'm going out to this concert afterward. We're going to Gwar. Had no fucking clue what that was, except they kind of tried to explain it to me. And I, they also are going to be serving old Rasputin at the 930 club. And for reasons still unknown to me, I decided you said yes, that on a weeknight, you said, yes. I would go. Sure. Yes. It's called, it's called peer pressure. That's the reason. <laughs> That's the reason. He made it sound pretty cool. We've been there. We've yeah. done it. I guess I was in the, mu- the mood for live music. You know, I always am. And I remember I went home to change and he called me in between, like, I went to my apartment and it's 930 Club in DC. It wasn't too far away. It was like walking distance. And he was like, he called me up and he was like, oh, I forgot to tell you, we're all white. And I was like, who the fuck is just white outfits, like laying around, like, I have so many white pants and white shirts. I'm kidding. Yeah. As someone who wears like blacks and grays and neutrals, I definitely don't have white pants. I I don't even think I, I think I had a white shirt that I wore as like an undershirt and was just like, what the fuck? So I pulled something together and I showed up and I kind of was expecting what happened to me eventually that night because of how they described it. It's just very different hearing it to experiencing it. So people who like gore are going to hate me for like, because I haven't done any research in telling the story. But basically, it's like a vaudeville rock act where these guys dress up in like alien. I mean, these are like legitimate alien fucking outfits. And like, like one of them was like an alien with like this huge fucking cock and huge fucking balls. And, like, when I walked in, I noticed that all the speakers and everything were covered in plastic. They literally spew out fake green cum and blood on the audience. And people in in the crowd enjoys this. Oh, they go for that. Like, everyone was in white. Like, you just know that's what you're supposed to do. So, I show up, and it's already, like, in full swing. 
Old Rasputin, not even like the one that we were drinking for the, the podcast episode, is still pretty high alcohol content. Yeah, right. And I mean, I fucking loved it. He was right. I was smashing Old Rasputin like crazy. That's... And all I remember, I do vaguely remember him pulling me up to the front and just being sprayed <laughs> with just liquid. Lots of things. Just, yeah, this is not COVID friendly. No. But then the best part is at the end of the night. Wait, there's more? Yes. At the end of the night, I remember trying to get into a taxi because the line was crazy. And, of course, no one wants to pick up people who are covered in fucking fluids. Nope. So I lost my shoe at the concert and was hobbling around. One shoe? Just one shoe. Okay. I was hobbling around with one shoe on. It was, like, really cute little flat. (laughs) Trying to get into a taxi covered in fake cum and, and blood. And then it was a weeknight, so I had to get up to go to work the next day. And drunk ass me got to the shower like only a few hours later. And when I finally opened my eyes, I looked down and it was just all red and literally thought that I had like severely injured myself forgetting what had happened. And my boss was there that night, too, which is the funniest thing. So, like, I, like, rolled in the morning thinking, like, no one's going to notice. I'm, I'm, I'm going to fake my way through this hangover. <laughs> We've all been there. I'm going to fake my way through this yeah. hangover. I'm pretty you... sure Doug still saw, like, the, sure. the stuff in my hair and, like, whatever. And I was just like, God damn it. Like, this is just. And with that, we're going to take a quick break. And we'll be right back with uh, Will Cook to talk about some heavy metal music. So we've got Will Cook with us, who is the uh, director of heavy metal operations and brewer emeritus at Atlas Brewing. How are you? I'm pretty good. Hold on. Okay. <laughs> nice. <laughs> First thing I'm doing yeah. great. Good to be you, with you guys today. Yeah, you too. Thank you so much for joining us. We are super excited about today's topic, which is a crossover of beer and metal music. And I have got to apologize to our listeners in advance that Amy and I are not experts in metal, which is why we have brought on Will to educate, to learn us about about heavy metal and the beer subculture within it. We're going to leave that up to you. But before we get started, I just have to bring up how long we've known each other and just like the weird progression of our like beer (laughs) relationship is what I'm going to call it. Yes, yes. So we originally met in Washington, D.C., and don't even ask me the year. You probably remember, but through... it was It was around 2010, 2011, I think. Jesus. See, there you go. It's, it's been about 10 years. <laughs> it, it's always very memorable when people meet you, Melissa. Yeah. We remember <laughs> to the month and the day. Well, and, and Will and I have a good story. So we met through my old boss. I think it must have been beer and darts, or maybe we were out at some brewery in D.C. when I was living there. But yeah, good old Dougie Brooks. Shout out to Doug. Yeah. Um, you've been friends with him for a long time. Uh, since 1998. Um, didn't he like crash on your couch at one stage? Uh, well, he, he needed a place to stay for about two weeks, which ended up being about five and a half years. (laughs) (laughs) That is amazing. I love the stories I hear about Doug. So yeah, Yeah. we're, we're in DC. He introduced us. Um, we hit it off right away because we both love beer. You kind of, beer educated me um quite a bit i was still very much into ipas 
And there was just this like coming together of, you kept telling me to drink Old Rasputin, like you thought I'd really like it because it was like kind of a hoppier, smooth stout. Um, and I was like refusing. And then the 930 club at DC was going to be playing Gore. Like, ha- you know, Gore is going to have a concert there. And you're like, you have to come. And for some reason, I still don't know why I agreed. But I went and I, I mean, the listeners have already heard it in the intro and Amy's heard this story quite a few times, but I basically lost my life that night. So. <laughs> yeah, you live. Yeah. And I'm still drinking older ass mutants. Well, tell us about Atlas. Tell us about, let's start before that. You were homebrewing under your own brand, which, you know, I'm not going to mention here unless you want to, but look what I've got. Oh, look at that. I know. I got the vintage merch. Those of you who can't see, I've got a hat. Yeah. Black Couch Brewery. Yes. Tell us about that. Tell us about your progression into beer and then. I guess you marrying your love of metal music and beer together. Yeah. Yeah. So ironically, um, when I was in high school, I didn't drink like at all, not even just beer. And then most of my four years when I was active duty in the Marine Corps, I didn't really drink either. I just didn't, wasn't my thing. And being a, I was a Marine Corps sniper, you know, it's just like, I see the guys getting hung over. I'm like, this, this is not for me. So I, I barely even drank. And then I went to college and I'm like, okay, like I don't have as many responsibilities now as, you know, everything else. So I'm like, yeah, I'll have a beer. And so I would have a beer every now and again, but it was just still wasn't really my thing. And I, I kind of progressively, but when I did, it was like, I'm not drinking Miller Lite. I'm not drinking Nanny Bow and all that crap. Like I would always like back then I'm talking, this is, God, this is 1995 and six. So like I would go out and get like Bass Ale or Harp or <laughs> Guinness or something, you know, the expensive stuff. And I would just take my own beer to the party. And then, you know, eventually I, I started getting more and more in the craft beer right in the, like the early 2000s, you know, started, you know, growing up right outside Philadelphia, it was always yingling, yingling, yingling. I'm like, ah, you know, like, and then craft brewery really started taking off more in the late 90s and early two, in, in early 2000s. And then, um, and then one day me and a couple of guys decided like, you know what, there is no brewery in the DC metro area. Maybe we should start one. And this is like in 2009. Like by 2009, there was no production brewery still in the DC area. There was brew pubs. So a bunch of us like, maybe we should start a brewery. And so I'm like, all right, I'll go to brewing school. (laughs) So uh, I had a a job working for um, the government and I took leave and I went out to Siebel Institute of Technology for several months and basically got an associate's degree in brewing technology. And then uh, was doing a lot of aggressive home brewing, trying to tweak recipes and stuff, and still like had the idea of opening up my own brewery. But then when I saw like the financials of it and just, you know, I needed more experience and I didn't, the whole point of me going to brewing school was not to go start a brewery, but hire someone else to brew the beer. So I decided to put it on hold. And then I got a job at a local brewery where I was a lead brewer for three and a half years. And then. And which one was I? That, that was Port. Yeah, okay. it was Port City. Okay. Um, and then. But that was not a metal brewery. So I tried to do everything in my power to get that brewery to become more metal. So I would. So even then, at the beginning of your like beer, like in the industry, your beer career, you already wanted to marry up your love for heavy metal music. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, heavy metal is like one of my first loves. And just like events or collaborations or both. So, So I tried to do both. So I started these things just called Metal Nights because in the D.C. area, there was no place to actually go have a beer and listen to heavy metal music. I mean, the closest thing was the jukebox at the Big Hunt, if you remember that place. I do. 
they would have you know they would have some metal on there and you had to fight through all like you know whatever nickelback and you know some rap music and country songs that eventually get your song played that's basically the closest i'm like you know let me just host a metal night where you know we just blast heavy metal over like the crappy speaker systems in the tap room and out in the brewery and, and invite metal heads and so i teamed up with um Metal Chris from DCHeavyMetal.com. We, we literally stand out in front of shows, hand out flyers, you know, hit Facebook up, and then people showed up in mass. And it was like, it was cool, you know, and we would just drink beer. It was just a bunch of people in black T-shirts and long hair, you know, talking about metal and drinking beer. And uh, so we had like five That actually sounds like a good time, not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was fun. And it's fun, it funny because like there, there was times where – you know, I think sometimes people who are not into metal have this like um, misconception of metalheads. Like we're all just like raging alcoholic, like want to fight and like, you know, a-holes or something like that. But like, I remember so many times, like there'd be an old, older, like grandmotherly, fatherly couple sitting there or like two hipster dudes who were clearly not there for metal night. But they just sat there and drank the beer. People watched it and everyone just left them alone, you know, where they would go up and chat with them and stuff. But it was like. So it wasn't like, you know, mosh pitting at the bar. No, no, okay. no. It was like we would build play. People would send in songs for playlists. I would build a playlist, you know, kind of make it somewhat interactive. And then, and then DCHeavyMetal.com would give away like tickets to shows and, um, you know, all kind of, bands would send merch and we would hand out like free merch to people. We'd have raffle drawings. So we did this for like five or six times at the brewery. And then after I left there in 2014, I went to go help start uh, Fairwinds Brewing Company up. Uh, so I kind of instantly became the lead brewer slash head brewer, but I knew I was going to, I wasn't going to stay there long uh, for a variety of reasons. So like, you know, go hire someone else to be the head brewer. I'll stay the lead brewer. But um, there, like we were able to incorporate the metal a little bit more because we had a little bit more uh, room to breathe as far as creativity, naming the beers and stuff like that. Um, but at Fair, Fairwinds, which, oh, sorry, I, I didn't even tell, like, so Port City's in Alexandria, Virginia. I live in Alexandria, Virginia, right outside DC. Um, I live closer to the White House than most people who live in DC. So it's like <laughs> really close. And then, um, and then Fairwinds is in Arlington, not Arlington, in um, kind of the Lorton Springfield area. So a little bit further south of the city, right the, kind of near the intersection of the big major highways, 395 and, four, and 95 and 495. And then, um, but there like we would, like the other, the guy who eventually became the head brewer, he liked metal a lot, was really into like guitar oriented music. So we named a beer um, Sessions in the Abyss. So it was a session IPA called Sessions in the Abyss, which is a riff off the slayers um very famous 1990 album seasons in the abyss and to this day the artwork on the beer can is the artwork on the album cover i don't know how they got away with that i don't know if someone's going to sue them wow. but it's literally the album cover for slayers no one's seasons noticed the until now but thanks yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so there, like, so we would continue the heavy metal nights there and there. I, I got to make beers for actual local bands. So there's a local band named Baracho. I made a, made a beer for them actually when I was at Port City. And then I would just bring in like these local bands I loved. And I was like, hey, you want to collaborate, make a beer. And I would only do it with local bands because I wanted the bands to be heavily involved in the process. So to make a signature beer for them, I was like, no, you're going to, we're going to come, you're going to come to the brewery. We're going to do a right. taste test of like, 
all kinds of different types of beers, you know, like you want a stout. Okay. Here's old Rasputin. Here's a Speedway stout. Here's, you know, some other local style. Here's a Guinness. Like, what do you like? You know, and they would pick out and like, okay. And then I would make a pilot batch and then I would bring them back in. Like, okay, what would you tweak? And if you want to come in on brew day, let's come in on brew day and help brew it. And so, yeah, so I made a beer for local heavy blues, rock band, King giant who no longer exists. They're now called Pimmit Hills. Um, gloom i made a beer for like a blackened death band called gloom here in dc baracho which is like a stoner riff oriented band um they're also in dc uh yesterday saints i made a beer for them um yeah i feel like you're gonna need to give us a list of all these people to check out because that's like <laughs> i know we're gonna get into the podcast um you know you being a co-host on the metalheads podcast but that's one thing i noticed it was funny because like listening to them i was like a, I'm learning a lot, but B, like, okay, I am like, I like you guys keep mentioning all these like band names. So I'm like, what the fuck? But then you guys mentioned Rammstein, and I was like, yes, I know one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh, on the mid, God, that was probably like eight months ago. Um, one of the guys on the podcast put Rammstein on his mid year best of list. And we're all sort of like, huh because Romstein is not a band we usually listen to it's just sort of like that oh great I just yeah. knew their name but <laughs> yeah yeah anyway um okay so then you got to Atlas and it seems like it really took off because I see you all over like social media and stuff you know and Atlas seems to be pretty involved in the heavy metal yeah so so after I left I uh, you know helped get Fairwinds up and running and then I left there and then um Atlas needed some help because they they the head brewer left um so they needed somebody to basically who had some experience to come in and just help them out. Like I was never going to be the head brewer or anything like that. Um, the current head brewer, Dan Villarubi was a very capable person. It was just, um, it was one of those situations where it just like, they just needed someone else. They need an extra hand and, and somebody with a little bit of experience. So I was happy to help. And um, so when we got there, you know, I wasn't there long enough to like really establish like doing a metal night, but I was like, what if we just start doing live shows? And I'll never forget this. I was actually talking to, uh, uh, Blake Harrison, who is the sound guy in uh, sound and effects guy in Pig Destroyer, a very famous local grindcore band here in the DC area. And they did, they played a show down at Hardywood Park in, um, in Richmond, Virginia, Hardywood Park Brewery. And I was like, so how did it sound? And he's like, he just looks at me. He's like, who gives a shit? It's a fucking metal, man. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and I'll never forget that. He's like, who gives a, who gives a shit? Are we allowed to curse on this? Yes. I guess it is the Beer Don't Shits worry. Podcast. It's called, it's called the Beer Shits Podcast. Yeah. So we decided, like, let's try and put on a show. So we started kind of not small, but we went out and got a couple bands. We got Genocide Pack and Gloom and, oh, crap, there was another one. I forget. Um, maybe it was just those two. And then so we kind of like we didn't have a stage or anything. We didn't really have any lights. We had to get someone else to bring in a sound system and a mixing board. And we're like let's play a show at the brewery and people turned out because in the DC area, there wasn't really, there used to be this, this um, venue called Jack's or empire Nova down in Springfield. That was kind of like the mid-level place where they were bringing like almost exclusively all heavy metal acts, but that kind of, and then the nine thirty club used to do a lot of metal and that's a larger venue in DC, but they kind of stopped doing metal except for like Guar and clutch. So we, we started having live shows and then kind of word got out. And then like, it was almost like an avalanche of people requesting. And then we would get um, like local bookers to uh, booking agents and stuff would say, Hey, like I got this tour package coming through. Can you support it? Can you do a show at the brewery? 
and then it kind of snowballed and when the, the brewing, um, when the craft brewers conference was in town, probably in April of 2017, uh, we had another show with, uh, King giant and cavern. I think Lord played and, uh, because I know this is where the crossover comes like almost every brewery in America seems like it's got some like either overt or covert underlying element of like mad raving metalheads working in that brewery. I'm not sure what it is. Yeah. It's, it's weird. It's like, it's, it's hard to go to a brewery and not find somebody there who likes metal. Um, so, so when the craft brewers conference in town, I'm like, and I knew some of these brewers, I'm like, you know, message them on Facebook, text them, call them like, Hey, we're going to have a show. And we advertised it through the craft brewers conference and people came out. There was a lot of people. I mean, we had brewers from all over, you know, Canada, all over the United States who came to this thing and it was a big hit. And, and so we, it was like a, a slow learning process of how, you know, we're brewers, you know, we know how to make beer. I love heavy metal, but I don't know how to produce host, you know, do the logistics for a metal show. Um, but now I'm like practically an expert, <laughs> expert at it. So we've probably done now since late 2016, we have done probably 150 shows. Wow. I did yeah. not realize that you guys had such a high volume of just, I mean, obviously that's kind of stopped, you know, with coronavirus, but are you guys doing like any virtual stuff? No, or? Um, we've been hit up by a couple bands who thought about, Hey, can we just set up the stage and the lights and record and do a live stream? Um, so we've gotten some interest in that, uh, which, you know, we could do it, it just, you know, it's about the camaraderie, the people there. It's about actually seeing the band live. So I tons and tons of bands have done live streams and I really just have not been all that interested in it because it's like, I don't know, just. Well, so Amy would probably agree with me. Like when you think about live shows, at either breweries or like people who like beer, you more often think of like that kind of chill classic rock scene or country. And like, people don't think of heavy metal and beer. I guess I've never thought about it. Yeah. I mean, definitely when it comes to the brewery space, you know, to your point, it's, there might be plenty of people who work there that are into metal, but you don't go here out to breweries and experience metal music, metal nights or so, you know, it, it, sometimes it's a subculture, but sometimes it's completely in your face. So um, a, a great example is Three Floyds Brewing Company out in Munster, oh, Indiana. Yeah, Chicago, right? Yeah, I mean, they have... Oh, those guys. Yeah, they, they're, yeah, they're just on the southern um, suburbs of Chicago. But, you know, they have this thing called Dark Lord Day, which they have, like, really big-name metal bands that go out there and have, like, a full-blown metal festival as people are waiting in line to grab their beer. It's, like, comes into, like turns into this big like massive white whale bottle share of beer so so there are some very overt breweries that like cater to the metal community or it's just like hey i'm a metalhead this is my brewery i'm gonna make my brewery just like ooze metal onto the <laughs> society so actually on three floyds i had a tattoo artist out of dc who was really good friends with one of the guys who owned it Jinx and proof or something? Yes, Jinx Look proof. At, so oh my that's god, my where, memory, my memory. <laughs> and uh, he designed a label for a beer that was made for them. So, and he gave yeah. me a bottle of it. When I finished my tattoo after nine and a half hours, he was like, "You deserve this," and I was like, "Thank you." <laughs> um, yeah. So, so there's there's breweries out there that are very like overt about it, either with um, 
their labels, their names of the beers, you know, or just hosting metal shows. So Atlas doesn't really have too many like over like flagship beers that we're putting in cans and, and putting out there in, into the market. It's overtly metal. Fairwinds does, although most of the most of the uh, brewers who are at Fairwinds now, like now they have like a giant tapestry of Jerry Garcia, which like just it it, it makes me die a little bit in the inside. Every okay, time first of there. all, I'm a big deadhead, so <laughs> you know I'm eclectic. I like a little bit of everything. Yeah, I dabble in metal. I dabble in classic rock. I like Gar- Jerry Garcia, and I follow Bob Weir on social media. You know, okay. but. I mean, okay, so, but on that point, are there major metal bands, like, um, you know, ones that people could easily find their music and stuff that have done collaboration beers that while they're kind of exploring them, they can go out yes. and drink? Yes, so Metallica has done some with, Metallica has done one with Stone Brewing Company. Oh, I love Stone. Um, like, one of my uh, top faves. Slayer. Oh, we had it at, we have it. At um, the Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving we have an annual Thanksgiving beer tasting yeah. and that Metallica one we had. Um, so Metallica's done one. Megadeth has done one with uh, Unibrew up in uh, the Montreal area of Canada, Quebec. Okay. Um, Anthrax did one with um, some brewery in New York. Um, uh, Slayer has sort of done beer. They've done like a beer in Europe that you can only get in Europe, which is kind of weird. And I think it was just sort of like, yeah, we'll sell you the rights. You slap Slayer on it. But there's been a lot of Slayer inspired labels. So, uh, Ninkansky Brewing up in, I think, Oregon, or Ninkasi, sorry, Ninkasi Brewing up in Oregon. Every year they come out with a Christmas beer called Slayer, but it's got Santa Claus on it and it's spelled S L E I G H O R, like, like a sleigh. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's been tons of, uh, what you call like, um, there's, there's official beers, like the Megadeth beer is official. The Anthrax beer is official. Uh, the Slayer was probably official, but it's like, you know, just here, you know, pay us $500,000 and you can slap the Slayer sticker on your beer. Um, but there's a lot of other like smaller bands, not smaller, like mid-level and stuff bands that have all, have all, like done collaborations uh and then there's just the amount of like fan worship from the brewery grassroots up that is making beers to worship those bands is just it's almost endless at this point um i feel like yeah i i i feel like now i'm always going to notice it like there is one i'm like oh this is what will was talking about got it like before i wouldn't i would just have thought it was a quirky label yeah, it, it kind of depends, and, and like I said, some of them are just worship beers. Some of them are are actually the 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 band is involved in the process, and it may just be like, oh yeah, you know, make us a beer, or they may actually be involved. Like the Sword, which is a pretty famous kind of stoner doom kind of I don't know how to describe it. Now they've kind of like more like ZZ Top, but like they they had a beer made uh, for them down in Texas. And, but you, there's a video of them going to the brewery and helping throw the grains in. Like, so they were involved in the process. Um, and whenever I had band, and whenever I made a beer for bands, I always got them like heavily involved in the process. And I remember having this really awesome, but like out of the blue conversation with um, a guy in the band, Cryptopsy. And he's like, hey, man, like, you know, we'd be interested in you guys making a beer. And I felt bad because I was kind of like, Cryptopsy, like massive death, technical death metal band. And this would be awesome. But it's like, but I want you involved. Like, I don't want to just make a beer. Right. And we don't, we don't ship to Canada. We're, we don't ship to Quebec. Like, so it's like, I can, I can make a beer for you, but 
like you're not going to be able to taste it. You're not going to be really involved in it. So, um, but at Atlas, we made a couple beer. We made a, <laughs> so there is a, a brewer who I used to work with Atlas called Sam Puffenbarger, who I think is still, he's still brewing in the local area. And him and I used to brew together. He's now brewing at a different brewery now, but um, him and I used to love this album from the, uh, the band Bong Ripper, which is out of um, Chicago area. And it's all instrumental, but it is like the heaviest goddamn like like doomy, slow sometimes, like aggressive at times, just like this 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 awesomeness. It's awesomeness. I love it. And they have an album called Satan Worshiping Doom, right? And the tracks, there's four tracks on the album. The first track is Hail, second is Satan Worship Doom. Hail Satan Worship Doom. And I have this big hoodie that literally has the Bong Ripper logo on the front and on the back, giant hoodie and giant letter says, Hail Satan Worship Doom. And Sam and I used to love blasting this album while we brew beer. And by the way, like listening to music as you brew beer, it's like mandatory. I don't know what brewery <laughs> doesn't. But so we used to blast this. So one time we wanted to make, um, somebody got the idea of making a, a Cezanne and then we're like, we should call it hell Satan worship doom. And the owner who's not really a metal head, but just is, is the most gracious dude. Justin Cox uh, is the owner and CEO president of, of Atlas. But he kind of like, he's on board with stuff. Like he's on board with the metal shows, just like a great guy to work for. And he was like, Oh, you know, I don't know. And then we thought like, okay, what if we call it instead of hell Satan worship doom, we just call it Hasa Wodo. Take the first two letters of each hail Satan, oh, okay. Hasa Wodo. And so we mass produce this Hasa Wodo beer, which is an ode to Bong Ripper, which literally stands for Hail Saint Worship Doom. And the best part of this story is, is that when you go on tapped and you see the check-ins at Nats Park, you have all these, like all these dads, all these hipsters. We were serving this thing at Nat in Nationals Park in DC. And you just like, they have no idea what they're drinking. <laughs> it was a black Saison and literally in the description, it's a satanic Cezanne. <laughs> um, so we want to talk about the podcast too. So you're a co-host on- I, I like to call Heads- myself a co-conspirator. Good. Okay. I like that better. <laughs> Sorry. Co-conspirator on the Metalheads podcast. Amy and I both took a listen. Um, what I will say is, yes, some of the, like the more recent, the most recent one that you guys published about black metal, I feel like you do have to kind of beat to know about metal music to be like, okay, I get this. Cause we were doing a lot of Googling. Um, but then I listened to the, um, you guys did a coronavirus war journal, a couple of them. And you were talking to this guy called necrosexual who yep. was fucking hilarious like you find out in the episode that he's like a failed comedian and I was like that makes so much sense because he's hilarious he just seemed I was like I could be best friends with this guy like he's just so cool so uh yeah so he's got his own band necrosexual he's uh he's called the grim one I know his real name um and I've become you know buddies with this guy he's great he is a great guy I mean he's just but he's in another band called Basilis um, that I've booked at. So I also book um, Adroit Theories uh, anniversary. Well, I used to uh, before Corona. Actually, that was a, probably the last show was Adroit Theory out in Percival, Virginia. Um, they have very metal inspired artwork on all of their beer labels and they have some pretty metal names for their beers and they've done some collaborations themselves, but they always have a um, 
the last two years, I helped um, produce their anniversary party. So I booked the metal bands and, and basically produce it, you know, make sure the sound system, get the sound system and all that stuff is right. But uh, Basilic um, uh, played at one of those shows. And um, so that was, you know, the necrosexual. But yeah, what was great about that interview on the podcast is that um, he got made up in corpse paint. Like, and so we're, we're an audio podcast, but we record it on Zoom, but we never put it out on, you know, YouTube or anything just because we don't really know how to. to. Like, you know, digress or anything. I keep seeing corpse paint, but like, what does that mean? Are we talking like face paint, like kiss? Or are we talking yes, like- exactly. Laughing? That's exactly oh, what okay. it is. Okay. Corpse yeah. paint is, is uh, sorry. That, do you want to talk about lingo? That's lingo. <laughs> <laughs> corpse paint is when someone puts a white foundation on their face and then makes black designs, black or black and red now, designs. Now do juggalos count or no? So juggle, that is a form of okay. corpse paint, but that's just uh, silly douchebag paint in my okay. opinion. Okay. Well, I feel like we're learning a lot. I learned so much. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I th- Amy, I think you'd really like this guy because he was talking about um, he does a sexual neck. Sorry, a necrosexual workout. Excellent. Like he like blogs and he like started like, releasing these necrosexual workout videos. I can't yeah. like, look it up later. And he was like, "Yeah, so you can like you can do like a Russian twist with uh, with um what what is the name of the box wine Franzia or whatever Franzia yeah." <laughs> Oh yeah, you love the box. Yeah, that was that. like Amy would love this. It was like it yeah. was hilarious. Two of my great loves, working out and yeah. drinking beer. That's yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, kudos to you guys though because you have we Amy and I thought two hosts for a podcast was a lot. We both love talking. I mean, you both have known me for a long time. I cannot oh, shut yeah. the fuck up, and it's hard for me sometimes to check myself and not talk over people. But I mean, you guys have five hosts, six. and you all oh six. sorry, six hosts. Like a round table. And you, yeah, exactly. Knights round table. <laughs> the knights of heavy, of death metal round table. And then you also like talk for like five hours, five hours. So, like three, I've seen three and a half to five hours. It's kind of your sweet spot. So um, because the beer shits, I'm on the beer shits podcast. My other podcast, the metalheads podcast is very, very beer oriented. Um, to the point that sometimes we drink too much beer after, you know, yeah. so if there's yeah. only five hours recorded, that means we were probably sitting, right. there's five, five hours released. We were recording for probably seven and a half, six and a half hours. Um, <laughs> and we are, we are mo- probably five out of six of us are drinking throughout the whole thing. Uh, so, um, so the, the, the metal heads podcast star of this guy, George, who we call the pod father. Wow. Uh, he started it. He started as like a YouTube blog and some other stuff. And then he and another guy kind of teamed up and started doing recording. And then literally through social media, because they saw me like posting stuff about brewing and metal and stuff like that and going to shows and, you know, all through social media that um, I finally met up with these guys at a show at that place called Jack's or Empire Nova one time. And then they just like, Hey, you should come on, just come on, like be a guest. So I think six years ago, five or six years ago, I went on as a guest, maybe in 20, I don't know, maybe longer than that. Um, I just went on as a guest and then I would occasionally go on as a guest where I would like kind of like submit questions for bands and stuff like that. And then it kind of snowballed into, I became like a regular person on the podcast. And then, so slowly George has brought other people in. So this guy, Jay, who he has a band called Canatonic Society out in California in the Oakland Bay area. 
And then he came on board full time uh, before I came on full time. Then I came in on full time. And then I had a buddy, my buddy, John, who I, I basically knew from Atlas because he was coming to Metal Knights. And one day he like showed up in an Opeth shirt, you know, Swedish super death metal band. And uh, I just started talking to him. Hey, man, you like Opeth? He's like, well, yeah, I do, dumbass, because I'm wearing an Opeth <laughs> shirt, you know. <laughs> and uh, I got to know John really well. And he's one of my dearest friends now. And then he came into the podcast and then. There's a guy in Minnesota who was the dad of Northern Darkness, uh, this guy, Matt, and he came on full time. And then we got we found this like gem of a human being, Marcuson, who Which is uh, a great name. Yeah. Marcuson. Well, he's like he's I like uh, he's like part um, Indonesian. He's got a really interesting backstory. Um, he li- he now lives in Hawaii. He was in Chicago and now lives in Hawaii. So we have guys in California, Hawaii, Maryland, Minnesota and two guys in Virginia. And we have to tr- try syncing up these six. I was going to say, how schedules. the fuck do you get everyone still for hours? hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean. Logistics must be insane. And, and then and then it's like, oh, and then if you want to have four people in a band on, well, you got to sync up those. So you're trying to sync up like 10 people's schedules. And, you know, you, as soon as you say like, hey, there's beer involved. That's really casual. We just bullshit. They're like, okay, you know, so we, people make it work. But. So do most of your guests that come on also love beer or is it just like any? No, no. So our guests are typically, our guests are typically bands or lately um, we've been having on just fans. Like there's, there's people who've reached out to us who are fans of the podcast. Weirdly enough, people like what we do. And so we just had them on. Um, And, but most of the times it's band. Like, so last night we did a a five hour episode (laughs) of this band called Loud Night uh, down in Richmond, motherfucking Virginia. And, uh, you know, they're a great, like, kind of like crossover punk speed thrash band and they're just an amazing band. And they just came on and they, you know, they weren't necessarily, they, they drank beer initially. And then I think they switched over to some other stuff, but yeah, they, they, sometimes they like beer, but it's, it's a metalheads pie. It's a metal podcast, right. but we always have, we always talk about what beer are we drinking? And then I don't do it as much anymore, but earlier on some of the episodes, I would like drop some beer knowledge. Like we were like, oh, a stout. Hey, I'm drinking a stout. And I would say, oh, by the way, you know what the difference between a stout and a porter is? And I would just go into this like big scientific explanation or deep brewing, deep no brewing. No wonder thoughts. they're five hours. Well, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so yeah, so we, it's been going on for like five years now. And I feel uh, like you guys were doing podcasting before podcasting was like, yes. cool. Like everyone's doing it now. Including yeah. I loved it when it first started and I was like, yeah, that was really before it really blew up. Yeah. And actually I didn't want to bring this up. We're all about women's empowerment, you know, being two women who love beer. But I did see on some of your podcasts, you have some chicks that come on and we, chat with you guys. We, we did. Um, George had a, um, he found out that he had a coworker who liked metal, like a closet metalhead. And she, um, but yeah, so she came on and she was fun. And then we had like a long time ago, before I was even on the podcast, we had a Sound of Thunder, which is um, has uh, Nina is a lead singer of the band. Um, so she was she was on there. And then we had uh, a guest on Jeff, who is uh, a listener on the uh, listener on the podcast, uh, listener of the podcast, and his wife, who also we've met. So we met both these at the the Decibel Metal and Beer Fest in Philly. So now there's a whole metal and beer festival. Um, okay, well I didn't know that. I feel like I might. Oh have to yeah. Oh man, man, we should. 
we need to catch up more. <laughs> I know. I want to go to all of these. Yeah. So, <laughs> so his wife, who's probably about to give birth any day now, uh, she came on because she goes to all these shows with her husband. She likes metal. Uh, she likes beer. God, I love that. Yeah. I, seriously, I feel like we've learned a lot. And again, you know, I feel like with metal, rock concerts and metal concerts where it's just, I don't know, they're just super exciting. As long as you're not too close to the front, which I never get up there anyway. I want to be closer to the bars. Um, so, you know, as long as I'm not like my, my organs are going to fall out of my body because, you know, the everything that's like coming at me. But I think yeah. I dragged you up to the front in Guar so you can that's get true. Soaking, I soaking wet and full exactly. of cum. Yeah, Green you cum definitely. And blood, alien blood, and so yeah, yeah. I lost my shoe that night. Like <laughs> <laughs> so when I told Amy the story the first time, she said, "I said, yeah, I lost my shoe," and she was like, "What about your dignity?" I was like, "Oh yeah, I went out the door like as soon as I got there, pretty much." So. Yeah, I think uh, I, I I lost my shirt. Uh, <laughs> And oh, by the way, we have to mention that our friend Doug, who we mentioned earlier, was there with us. Yes, that's true. Yeah. I don't think that he was nearly as involved in the whole. No, I think he had a great time. But I think it was like I stopped by for like beer and darts at uh, IPOA. And then I'm like, I'm going to the show. And you guys want to come? We're like, yeah, let's go. And it was like a complete I think it was a pretty spur of the moment kind of thing. And then he was like, you have to wear all white. And I was like, why yeah. the fuck do you have to wear all Who has all white? Who, had, who, who wears all white out there? Yeah. And I mustered something together. So anyway, okay. So I feel bad because we never talked about what we were drinking. Let's so, talk about. Oh, let's yeah. do that. We'll, this, we'll we'll put it in at the beginning, <laughs> but we'll do it now. Well, so. it's funny because this is exactly what happens on our own podcast. That the <laughs> second thing on the the second thing on the item is t-shirt and beer check. Like, what t-shirt are you wearing, and what beer are you drinking? And then like we just bullshit for an hour, sometimes two hours, and it's like, oh, we never did t-shirt. Well, and maybe beer that's check. what we should do. Um, what we're drinking is Old Rasputin, obviously, since, you know, our whole, yep. our, our best, I would say we've got a lot of good stories, but our best story revolves around Old Rasputin. And I have now developed a, a love for it. Being a non-stout drinker, I still very much appreciate this beer and can drink it anytime. And for me, it was really the, I would say my first stout love, what introduced me to, I'm a big stout fan and really the boozier, the better. So it was my introduction to a really nice bourbon barrel aged stout so yeah so you guys have like the, the more of a, i think it's like the anniversary yeah, version or something like that version. Just special version. we yeah. i bought this um specifically because i wanted to save it for a special occasion and will i feel like you know we we broke this out for you for 18 dollars <laughs> a bottle of old recipe <laughs> all right amy so so for the people who haven't had it um tell us about it well it's uh it's a stout it's boozy. It's delicious. It is, um, let's see, North Coast Brewing Company, California, Fort Bragg, California. I had no idea. I never knew. I just assumed it was from Russia. <laughs> Always thought it was from Russia. Okay. A, I love that. <laughs> um, it's the whole Russian imperial style. Yeah, exactly. exactly so, yeah. I mean, it's called Old Rasputin. It's like champagne. You can only call it champagne right. if it's from France. Like yes. you only be able to call it a Russian burial if it's from California Russia. sparkling wine is not champagne. Because you know those Russians so well known for beer. <laughs> I actually made an emergency run to the the beer and I went to a grocery store and a, and a beer store and neither one of them had Old Rasputin. I was just looking for like the regular one, not even the fancy one. So what, um, what are you drinking so I, I grabbed a couple things, but I do have, um, since I'm kind of 
talking about Atlas today. I got the Atlas Brew Works Silent Neighbor Stout. Um, so I figured, you know, you guys are drinking old Rasputin. I'm going to drink our, our stout. So it's kind of like, um, uh, it, it's more of like, uh, have you ever had um, Wake Up Dead? So Wake Up Dead, you ever had that stout from Left Hand Brewing Company out in Colorado? I've had a lot of left hands. I typically don't drink stout. So if I have had okay. it, I don't remember. So, so. so if you want to talk about a beer and metal tie-in, uh, Wake Up Dead is a song off Megadeth's second album, Peace Sells But Who's Buying. And so... The, yeah, even even the, our, our untapped list yeah um so anyway but this beer uh the silent neighbor kind of rem reminds me of what you would call like an export style um like kind of like wake up dead is an export style so but it, they have it's got a little bit of rye it's got some caraway and molasses in it um and the name comes from if you've ever been to atlas brew works in northeast uh dc it's in the ivy city neighborhood and literally you, you look out the front door of the brewery and there is a fuck ton of dead people. It is the Mount Olive Cemetery. <laughs> I was okay. like, I'm sorry. I'm going to need more information. So when I got to Atlas, it was just called uh, Pumpernickel Stout. So it's got the same ingredients. It's supposed to be like in Pumpernickel bread. And it was called Pumpernickel Stout. And I remember talking to the owner, and I'm sure other people did. I don't think anything I said may have swayed him. I'm like, you need to come up with it. This is a great beer, but you need to come up with a better name for this. <laughs> so they decided to name it after the our dead neighbors, our silent neighbors across the street who never complain when we blast, you know, a live heavy metal show at, at like 400 decibels. Story. Um, the name of the beer. Yeah. And what's even better. So uh, we make an Imperial version of silent neighbor called tomb essence. So it's a double entendre. So I didn't know this, um, but apparently tomb, tumescent to have something too messing. Oh, right. Do you know what this is? I've basically, heard the word, but... It's basically I... an erection. That is not at all what I thought it was. So. <laughs> not even a little bit. <laughs> Here's me trying to be all smart, only to realize that... <laughs> so for a man to be too messing, that means he has an erection. So our owner decided that... And I don't know. There's a whole long backstory I won't get into, but... They decided that when they make an imperial version of it, they were going to call it tomb, like T-O-M-B essence, right. tomb essence instead of tumescent. So there's like a double entendre there. So we make a, we make a bourbon, basically a, a whiskey or bourbon barrel aged version of this called tumescent. We don't can it or bottle it. Um, it just comes out on draft every year and it's, it's amazing. Okay. So yeah, I feel like it'd be remiss if we didn't talk about home brewing too. Yes. Because... Amy is very much like you. Like she's got an interest. She's done it. You've done home brewing, and you want I'm, to take it to the next level. Right. So I'm very new to home brewing. So if you have any advice, tips to who, somebody who's starting out who may want to do this, temperature controls, temperature controls, temperature controls. It's one of the hardest things to uh, do in home brewing, and it's the hardest. Um, you basically have to buy a freezer, rip everything out of it, put a digital or analog, but digital is better temperature override on it. So you can dial that, you're basically, you know, changing the compressor and stuff to get the exact temperature you want. Because when you're homebrewing, if you're like, oh, I'm just going to sit my carboy in the corner and it's going to fluctuate between, you know, Interesting. 55 degrees and 70 degrees, unless you have a room in your house that's got an individual thermostat that you can just keep it at like 68 degrees, which is what most ales are good at um, uh, fermenting at, or, you know, if you're going to try a lot of, a lot of home brewers don't do lagers because you need to get it down to like 
50 some degrees, 60 degrees, unless you're, you know, you're going to unheated room in, you know, the springtime, you know, or the, or the fall. So I, I would just say that uh, temperature control is everything in home brewing and being patient. A lot of people were like, Oh, I see it bubbling. And like, Oh, it's been five days. I'm going to can that. I want to bottle that stuff up and drink Like, no, it's let, let it, let it ride out, but not too long, but temperature control and, you know, just invest in some good equipment. Um, I mean, you can make homebrew beer. that's just as good as any production brewery, as long as you have the sanitization, which is another big thing. I mean, you got to make sure that stuff is clean. Um, otherwise, you know, your beer's all going to go sour, which interestingly enough, like if you think about it, like almost every beer, like, you know, over a hundred years ago was sour and smoked. Like almost every beer was a smoked sour because they didn't have the ability they do now in the malting houses to take the barley and malt it and dry it out. Now they use like steam and stuff like that, but before they just build a fire, you know? So everything was smoked and then they didn't have the sanitization stuff that they do, you know, the equipment or the procedures, the know-how, the knowledge or the chemicals to kill everything. So it's like almost everything got infected. So like a lot of stuff was like smoked sour beers. Well, you are the best. Thank you so much. We loved having you on. We'll definitely have you on again. I, I enjoyed every moment of it. Mel, great to catch up with you. It's been way, way too long. Amy, nice to meet you. Take care of this girl. <laughs> <I'll try this. laughs> Take care of your liver and yes. uh, we'll see yes. you soon. Shits podcast was created by Melissa Saban and Amy Bostic. Music written and recorded by Nicholas Forster. Contributions made by Marina D. Production assistance and editing by Elijah Hudman. We encourage our listeners to drink responsibly. Be sure to visit our website at beershitspodcast.com to get more information on previous and upcoming episodes and to buy our merch. We look forward to cracking one open with you next time. Over and out.